Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jenna. If we haven't met, I'm the executive pastor here at Awaken. Uh, Welcome this morning on a very confused Minnesota morning. Is it winter or spring? We don't know. We maybe won't know for a while. Um, I will be leading us this morning in our call to worship, so I'd like to invite you to stand if you are able. Our call to worship this morning is from the book of Isaiah. So receive these words as we prepare our hearts for worship this morning. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Amen. All right, if you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be fantastic. Um, Welcome back. I always joke that, like, I love this church. Easter's fun. That was really sweet last week. Do you guys know we set an attendance record in the history of our church last weekend? Holy buckets. It was wild. It was totally wild. And then, like, oh, my church is back. So good to see you all. I recognize most of you, many of you. It's fun to have grandma in town and, you know, parents from from wherever. But um, so great to be with you. And um, we want to, I want to begin by uh, reminding you that if if you are looking for a church, like if if you're new around here and you're looking for a church to connect to, we would love to know that you are here. Um, So there are some cards in the seat pockets in front of you or the pews. You can also do this online. Fill that out and somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice and we'll get to know each other and uh, see if Awakens a fit in a place where you can call home. If you also have tithes or offerings that you've brought as a part of your worship this morning, um, lots of ways you can give. A couple of them are on the screen behind me. But old school, uh, there are some black boxes at each of the exits. You can place those in there or those cards. And um, we are super grateful for those gifts. A couple things we want to let you know about. uh, One, we're hiring a couple different positions. Um, there's There's the... office administrator and communications role that we're hiring for, which has been ongoing, but also we're hiring a part-time building manager. So if you've got some flexible time and you've got some, maybe you're you're a student or you're just looking for a good old-fashioned side hustle, I love a good side hustle, um, this job might be for you. Um, You know, help get the building ready um, for Sunday mornings. The most difficult season is behind us. You know, like shoveling snow and putting salt down. But um, a really important part of getting this building ready for ministry that happens in it. So um, if you're interested, take a look and let us know. Uh, There's a few events coming. The first of which is there's a pancake breakfast happening next Saturday. Uh, Seats are filling up for that. So um, it's it's a hot cake. No, it's a hot ticket. It'll be both. Hot cakes and hot tickets. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Appreciate it. Um, that is in connection with Earth Day, so those who are able will head out after that. We fuel with carb- carbohydrates and send you out to clean up our neighborhood with the city in partnership with the city. You can sign up online. Those, that's free, by the way, so just let us know you're coming. 
there is a Discover Awaken on Sunday, a week from today. So if you're new around here and you want to know more about our church and kind of what we do and why we do it, that happens after the second gathering. Lunch is provided. We'd love to offer that, and we need to know you're coming if to do so. Um, there is a women's ecumenical luncheon. Somebody asked me, what is ecumenical? And I was like, I have no idea. I'm kidding. I know what that word means, you guys. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. I have a master's of divinity. Um, ecumenical is like multiple traditions come together for under one banner, right? So like there'll be some Lutherans, there'll be some Catholics, there'll be some Covenanters, um, maybe even some other folks, and we'll all come together under the banner of the Church of Jesus. So that's ecumenical. It's a women's luncheon, and I'll just say one other thing about that. We haven't had a lot of sign-ups for that, and my fear is that Jenna will be the only one representing Awaken. So this is your neighborhood pastor, your friendly dad comment for the morning. If you are a female in the room and you're able, it would really be great if Jenna was not the only person at the Women's Ecumenical Luncheon, um, you know, to say we support the neighborhood and we're a part of the neighborhood. So if you're able, um, you know, my kids used to say, like, pack your bags, we're going on a guilt trip. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not quite that. It's not quite that. But it might be moving in that direction, all right? So... Um, last but not least, we have partnership. Um, partnership is what we call, what traditional churches call membership. That's a two-class adventure, uh, the 30th of April, May the 7th, after the second hour. And that is in preparation for our annual meeting coming in June. So you will have full voting privileges as a partner of Awaken if you choose so. And that is that. I think that's all, friends. Um, let me pray and I'll send you home. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're starting a new series this morning, you guys. I'm so excited about it. We've been, made our way through Lent, and now we are, we're, we're coming into what the church calls ordinary time. Not quite yet, but eventually we'll get to ordinary time, which is the majority of the church calendar. Like, who was in the marketing room on that one? You know, like, let's just call the most time ordinary time. Um, but it really is ordinary time because we get to, like, think about, well, just the work of being the church together. And that's kind of what we're doing in this series um, Easter was last weekend, and today we begin a new series called Iterations. Uh, a, little bit, a little more about iterations. So some of you were here last week. How many of you remember when the lyrics stopped working for us on Easter morning? Raise of hands. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Um, that's happened a couple of times, and um, I want you to know that's not Trevor's fault. Okay, Trevor's our tech director in the back there. Um, Trevor actually... Yeah, Trevor is doing a great job week in and week out. It's a very hard room to mix live sound in, and he makes it sound really good almost every single week of the year. So, Trevor, well done to you. Thank you for your work. Here's what's going on. We have multiple variables in a complicated equation. Number one, we have ProPresenter. ProPresenter is like the, you know, steroid version of PowerPoint, um, it's how you see the lyrics on the screen. It's how, you know, you see anything here at Awaken. It's ProPresenter. ProPresenter, in theory, works with Planning Center. Planning Center is the database. It's where all your information is stored, and we have gotten a lot of money by selling that to multiple... Just kidding. I'm kidding. That's, we don't do that. But it is where your da it's our database. It's how we plan gatherings at Awaken. So, like, prayer goes here, and the songs go here, and the volunteers, the band is scheduled, and the people in the kids' community. Planning Center, it's a hub of activity, and it's very important. And those two things work together. They, they talk to each other. 
But they're all dependent upon Steve Jobs and Macintosh because that's the computer that we run these things on. And so you can imagine when Steve Postmortem decides to write an update for an iOS, right, his operating system, the domino effect is just legion. It's, it's terrible, right? Now, here's why I tell you all this. Each of these platforms, like, they all serve a function. They do something, right? ProPresenters, graphics, planning centers, service planning, and database, and, pro, and the, the Mac runs it all. And when an update comes, it's like, it's not changing the software. It's not changing the platform. It's just a new iteration of that, right? It's, it's a new function. There's something, something that happened, like a bug was in it, and they had to, re, they had to write it out, and then they, they give you an update, a new iteration of the program, and then you have to install that in order for it to work properly, right? You all tracking on that? It's pretty simple. I would suggest to you that there are, and, and for this series, there is a word, an idea, a concept that's going to be really important. We're going to talk about it ad nauseum for the next couple of weeks here, uh, and that idea is God's people. When I say God's people, I mean something particular, deeply theological, that's rooted in the story of Scripture. What I mean when I say God's people, if I were to define it, it would be this. God's people is the conduit through which God's hopes, dreams, intentions for creation are seen, known, lived, and offered for participation. So when I say God's people, when we talk about this idea, by that I mean this is the vehicle, it's the means by which, it's the conduit through which the electricity runs, but not electricity, actually God's hopes, dreams, and intentions for all of creation. And that group of people, or that conduit through which those things are to run, is how the, God's hopes, dreams, and intentions are seen and known and lived, and they're also offered for participation, because not everybody's in on the plan all the time. So sometimes it needs to be offered for participation. So that's what I mean when I say God's, God's people. And um, there are, I would argue, from no matter where you pick up the Bible, no matter where you start reading, you find yourself in the midst of a particular iteration of God's people in the Bible. There are many iterations of God's people throughout Scripture. Today we're going to look at the first one that we find. If you were here last week, the story starts in a... Garden, very good, well done. You guys are, you're on your way. Uh, so we're going to start there. But we are a part of the most recent iteration of God's people, you and I. So for us as a church, why would we want to do a series on the iterations of God's people in the scriptures? Well, we find ourselves in a unique position. We're 11 weeks away from a really important meeting. And if you are not from Awaken, you've not been around here, just Bear with me for about two minutes while I update you, while I give you an iteration of our life together. Hey, hey. <clears throat> We're, there's a meeting in California that's happening, and a group of people in our denomination have declared that we as a church are out of harmony. It's a terrible metaphor because harmony, as you know, requires multiple notes, right, in the same key. I would argue that's exactly what we're doing. We're singing a different note that not the majority is singing, but a certain minority of group people are singing. So better, better, the metaphor would be better, we're out of unison. We're not singing the same notes as everybody else. That's true. So we have been declared out of unison, and a group of people then have called the principal's office. And the principal themselves has come to us and, you know, like inquired about this alleged declaration of being out of unison, and the principal has agreed 
This is in the form of the president and the executive board of our denomination. And so there is a vote at the school board meeting uh, in January, which is the delegates from all the covenant churches, as to whether or not we, in fact, are out of unison. They'll call it out of harmony. Everybody with me so far? Okay. So, friends, whether we like it or not, there is a new iteration coming at Awaken. It will either be we're, in fact, out of harmony and kicked out of our denomination and looking for a new group of people to hang out with. we got to find a new lunch table to eat at. Or we're going to be a part of a Reformation project, right? And, you know, gathering with covenanters who understand the covenant to be uh, like we do and who are working to kind of bring it back to what we think it could be and should be. It, it could be either one of those things, and we don't really know. So in the meantime, as we prepare for that, we're going to look at different iterations of God's people because no matter where you find yourself in Scripture, there are some consistencies, and I think there are some words of encouragement and hope for us as we anticipate, you know, uh, depending on your personality, a slightly anxiety-producing experience, okay? <laughs> so, <clears throat> that's what we're doing. That's where we're going. Um, today, what I want to do is just lay a little bit of groundwork, and we're going to come back to this groundwork week in and week out. So by the time we're done with this series, you will be able to, like, give it as an elevator pitch at the party, at the punch bowl. It'll be awesome. And then we'll take the rest of our time and just look at the, the first iteration of God's people in Scripture. Sound good? Okay. Um, Genesis. Oh, we got to read the Bible. That's what we got to do. We got we to find a passage to study. Okay. If uh, I'd invite you to rise in body or in spirit for the reading of the word, and then we'll dive in. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 26. You've probably heard this one before, but close your eyes and imagine that you're there for the first time. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. God blessed them and said, be fruitful. Increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that God saw all that he made was good, uh, very good, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had done, and so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Skip to the other account in Genesis 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man, which is non-gendered, by the way, in Hebrew, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. 
And while he was sleeping, he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman, the first gendered human, from the rib of uh, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man's. The man said, now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Pray with me. God, we direct our attention for a bit this morning to a very ancient story. And I ask that you would um, remind us of your people and why they're here what they're doing in the world. Um, and that as we try to understand who we are as your people in this iteration of it, that we would be faithful to who you've called us to be, that you would remind us of who you are and who we are, I pray. In the strong name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, the church said, amen. So let's, iterations, there are multiple iterations of God's people in the scripture. This is the first one. Are there any consistencies that we're going to find as we look at each of these iterations? I would argue yes, the first of which is invitation. Whenever we're talking about God's people in the scriptures, there will always be invitation. There's this great little interaction between Terah and Abram in Genesis chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 12. Terah is Abram's father. I don't know if you knew this or not. But at the end of chapter 11, it says this about Abram and Terah. In verse 31, it says, Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot from Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. Together, they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go where? To Canaan, which is where the Israelites end up. This is the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. And then chapter 12, which you may be a bit more familiar with, opens and it says... The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your father's house, to the land I will show you. And so Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Many people who study the Old Testament would argue that both Terah and Abram heard the invitation of God to go to the land God would show them. And love can't be love unless there's choice. A relationship in its truest sense can't be manipulated or coerced or or forced. There has to be choice involved. And if God is love, then and we are God's people, this iteration of God's people in the world, then there would it would follow that there would have to be a choice. And what we find in Genesis 11 and 12 is that one person chose to stay and one person chose to go. Terah settled. He stopped part way and decided to live there instead of to keep going. And he died there. And Abram kept going. He chose to respond to God's invitation and kept moving. Um, no matter the iteration that you find in Scripture, you will always find invitation because I would submit to you that God is love, and if God is involved in anything, it will be rooted in love, and you can't have love if you don't have choice, and you can't have a, a people group if there isn't an invitation to be a part of that. So no matter what iteration we find, no matter where we are in Scripture, whatever it is, there's always an invitation that we're hearing from the divine to the people of God. Secondly, we're always going to find presence. And I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about S-E-N-C-E, -E, presence. In the book of Exodus, the people of God are found in slavery. They're in Egypt. They've been there for 400 years. And in chapter 6, God says, I've got a message to give. So he tells Moses, tell this to the people. 
And in chapter 6, we find a famous statement, the six I wills of God to the people. And there God says, I will redeem you from slavery, or I will free you from slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. I will bring you to the land, and I will give it to you as a possession. In the middle of that, we find this phrase, I will take you as my own, which is to say, God, the divine being, is saying, I will be yours. I am yours. I'm offering myself to you. I will be with you, near you, for you. That's what I do. That's who I am. Some of you have heard me talk about this word hineni before. H-I-N-E-N-I. If you're going to want to get it tattooed, you want to know how to spell it actually happened in the life of our church. When I first found this phrase, I talked about it a lot, and someone was like, I'm going to get that tattooed. And they showed it to me, and I was like, love the idea, execution, a little, you know, uh, H-I-N-E-N-I, Hineni. It means here I am. I talk about it at weddings all the time, because in a wedding, two people, right, standing in front of each other, and what are they saying? Here I am. It's like a full-bodied, encompassed, like, declaration of presence to whatever's in front of you. And it's said all over in the Bible. Moses says it at the burning bush. Abraham says it. Isaac, Jacob, uh, Samuel responds with Hineni when he hears the word of the Lord. And he goes to Eli and he's like, are you calling my name? And Eli's like, no, it's not. Go back to bed. And then Eli's like, wait, it's the Lord. So he says, when you hear it next time, say Hineni. Here I am. And it's everywhere in the Bible. And we think that people who, like, meet God and there's an important moment, like, that's their response. Hineni, here I am, full-throated, all of me here. But here's the thing we don't talk a lot about. Hineni is actually something the divine says to you. Hineni is something that God says to us. Here I am. Am here, we are Father, Son, Spirit, Trinity, all here for you, with you, present to you. So, whenever there's an iteration of God's people, wherever there's a gathering of people who are to be the conduit through which God's hopes and dreams in the world are seen and heard and lived and participated in, there will always be an invitation and there will always be the promise of God's presence. And then, third, there will always be mission. There's always a job to do. There's always something, a vocation that we're invited into. Take Genesis 12, for example. Right? God invites Abram to follow. Go to this place, and when you get there, get some popcorn and some bonbons and watch a lot of Netflix. No, there's like a job to do, right? I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the world. I would argue that there is always a general sense, generally speaking, of mission and partnership, like any iteration of God's people is always participating in God's mission, which is to redeem and restore what God made and called good in Genesis 1 and 2, right? And then there is a specific part. There's a contextual part. There's a part that's for you in your place and your time that may not be for others in their place and their time. For example, when the Israelites are found in slavery in Babylon, what's their vocation? What's their mission? Well, God says through the prophet have babies, have a family, make gardens, like be people of peace, um, seek the welfare of the city. For this place and this time, this is your work. And then when they're being, when they're being uh, brought back to Jerusalem in the book of Nehemiah, we find a different mission, a different job. Rebuild the city, rebuild the wall, which is actually the next series that we're going to do after we find out what in the heck's happening in our life. We're going to find out what we're going to rebuild. Isn't that going to be fun? It's going to be great. 
There's always a mission. There's always a job to do. There's always meaningful work, no matter what iteration, invitation, presence, and mission. All right? Everybody tracking so far? You're going to be able to say this over and over. This is like elevator pitch on a napkin. Now, in the time we have remaining, the first iteration of God's people, humans, right? And I'm thinking, broadly speaking, you can think about Adam and Eve as two literal human beings in a, in a garden, or you can think about, like, the first humans that, that became conscious. It doesn't matter, actually. Genesis 1 and 2, what do we learn? What do we, what do we know about God's people, the, this iteration of God's people? What do we learn from them? First thing I want to focus, and there's just two I want to mention before we're done. The first is, and I'd say it this way. We work from our rest, not for our rest. As we think about God's people and what it means to be an iteration of God's people, we live in America in a consumer capitalist society, which has all kinds of benefits. Few downsides, like anything does. There's always shadow. There's always light that exists in both. But one of the things that, that matters is that when you get a job, let's say you start a new job on May the 1st, you're pumped, you're ready, and you show up. What are you not going to do? Ask for vacation. Why? Because you haven't earned it yet. The longer you work, I mean, you get a package, right? You get two weeks off. And the, but the longer you work, you get what? More vacation. It's like a reward. It's like a carrot at the end of the stick. It motivates you to do your job well because when you do your job well, you're rewarded with time off. So you work for your rest. The longer you're there, the more PTO you accrue, right? That is the exact opposite of what happens in Scripture. I don't know if you noticed this or not. In the days of creation, right? God separates day one. God creates plants in, in, on, on the earth day two. God creates animals and, and, and birds and the sky flyers and the land walkers, days fours and five. And what happens on day six? Humans get created. And at the end of day six, we're there. What is the first full lived day of life as humans on planet earth? Sabbath. And you didn't do anything yet. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, friends. Your identity as a person is not rooted in what you do or don't do. That is not the economy of the divine. The economy of the divine is one in which you, as a being, are valued and loved and bear the image of God before you do anything. So our existence is rooted in rest and Sabbath and communion with the divine. And from that place of rest, we are invited into meaningful work in the world. But when, when we have to like work to get something, it's a completely different economy. And when you think God is like that, you can imagine the kind of God you might create in your mind's eye. Versus, you don't work for your rest, you work from it. It's gift, it's already been given to you. So as an iteration of God's people in the world, who, who, give, who get an invitation to do meaningful work that is specific to our context, it's really important that we do that work from a particular perspective and with a particular lens on, which says we're not doing this because God is a, some sort of slave master who's like demands this work of us. No, we're already, we're here. It's good. We're naked in a garden, figuratively speaking. <laughs> and our identity is it's set, Right? From that place, we now get invited into the work of restoring and redeeming the, the, the creation that God has made, what God is up to. That Man, that, I don't know about you, but I get bored pretty quickly, so I'm glad to have something to do. And for it to also have meaning 
and to be connected to a story about restoration and redemption? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't think of much that would be better than that. Only if I got paid to do it. (laughs) Turns out I do! Oh my gosh! (laughs) But those two economies are so drastically different. So when we think about the iteration of God's people and what it means to be God's people, this is really important that we don't forget it. Because there will be work to do. Awaken is growing. We set a, I mean, there are more people in this building than there ever has been in the life of our church. There's a good chance there's going to be more things to lift around here, right? But we don't do that because, like, for some sort of benefit or so that we can get vacation, so that we can, like, you know, get Pastor Micah off our back. No, we do it out of love and worship because we, we start here. Big difference. The second thing you notice in this passage is that we are meaning makers and namers of life. Now, I, I mentioned in my commentaries I was reading, in the Hebrew, you don't get a gendered human being until Eve is actually made. So, Adama is like this gender-neutral term, right? It's just humankind. So don't get caught up on, oh, Adam named all the animals before Eve got there, so only men get to do this and women don't. Terrible reading of the text, take a lot of time to get there, but I'll just give you the bumper sticker. I want to invite you to think about humans as meaning makers and namers of life. In chapter 1, we saw, Adam, uh, that humans are invited by God to be fruitful and multiply, to rule over the earth and the fish of the sea and the birds and all the animals. And that's not like top-down, kill anything you want whenever you want it. No, it's like reciprocity. It's shalom. It's care for, enable, steward the life that is there and name it, cultivate it, curate it. In chapter 2, we see there actually is a naming of these animals by the humans that are there. So let's slow down as we close here. What does it take to correctly name and determine the meaning of a situation or experience? This is a very powerful thing that we get to do. The rabbis used to say that words create worlds. And have you ever like been with a child where you've spoken a word over them and literally you watched them like be born again? Or the other where a word is spoken over you, maybe, and you just shrivel and die. Because words matter. We make meaning and we name things as true. So friends, we can name something that is life-giving and generative as such and bring attention to it. That's something we get to do as humans. We can name and identify something that's deep inside of another human being that maybe they're not even aware of yet and bring it to life. Oh my gosh, so much fun. We can... We can call it forth and bear witness to it, like we did today with this family. In first hour, there was a, a baptism. Like, we get to name those things, those moments. We can enter into the incarnational, like, presence with someone. We can also do the opposite. We can use this power for our own gain, can't we? And we can speak, we can use this power from a place of trauma or of pain and hurt. Right? Hurt people, hurt people. You've heard that before? We can intentionally name something that's not true about a person in order to harm them. So as we close this morning, I want to just kind of lay our scenario as Awaken over this first iteration of God's people and remind you that there is always invitation and always the promise of God's presence and always meaningful work to do no matter what the iteration is. 
And in particular in this first one, to be reminded that we begin our work as hard and as like engaging as it might be from a place of rest. Where it's settled in terms of your being, it's not connected to your doing. Don't ever forget that. And the words that we speak to one another about our friends and our colleagues and our brothers and sisters and our crazy aunts and uncles and cousins in our denomination, we're meaning makers and namers of life. And we have the power to create worlds with our words. So I want to remind you of that huge gift and responsibility that we bear as people who walk this journey out. So we, my wife always says, loyal to the absent, Micah. Someone's not in the room to defend themselves. You probably shouldn't carry on a conversation about them, right? It's just a simple word of wisdom. Nugget, that's free, not even in my notes. <laughs> and to you, as a person who works and who goes to school and who maybe has children, a reminder about the words that we choose to use, we've been given a power to make meaning and name life and you can do that. It's yours. So hold that well. Use it responsibly. Invest with it so that the world is more beautiful and full of more love and kindness and grace and mercy. Let me offer a word of prayer and a moment of silence for uh, you to consider what I've said and what the Spirit might be saying to you. God, we gather in this place and we do so with humble hearts as much as we can. And God, I declare that um, a gratitude for even the fact that you invite us, that there are iterations of God's people in the story. It's a wild idea that I don't always understand, and yet it's there all over. So as we discern our place in your story, and as we look back and learn from those who have come before us, Holy Spirit, guide us, speak to us, remind us of who you are and whose we are. In the silence, I pray that you would speak, Holy Spirit. As we close this morning, <clears throat> I want to give you an opportunity to respond, and um, Eucharist is that opportunity and worship. And so uh, in just a moment, we'll invite you to make your way down the side aisles uh, and then back to your seats through the center aisle. There's some hand sanitizer if you want to grab some of that. And then uh, at the table, you will find gluten-free bread. Uh, we'd invite you to take a piece of that bread and dip it in the cup. There's red wine and there's white grape juice. Uh, the table at Awaken is open, and anybody who wants it can come and get it. I've never understood why anyone would deny anyone Eucharist if you believe that the presence of God is in it. And if someone wants it, we should be giving it away on every street corner. So, at Awaken, it's yours if you'd like. Um, Mel will lead us in song, and we invite you to respond as the church uh, this morning. So let's do that together. Trevor, would you, uh, would you put that definition that I had of God's people up there for me? Thank you. Um, a reminder. Not sure if you knew this or not. Maybe you did. Maybe this is new. Maybe it's just a good confirmation. 
that you are participating in one of the iterations of God's people, the most recent update. <laughs> and we as the church, God's people, are intended to be a conduit through which the very hopes and dreams of God are known and seen and experienced in the world that we live in. And that there might be an invitation to participate in that when you're found out there in the world. So be reminded of the good news and the good work that we've been invited to participate in. Whatever it is you bring, whatever your unique, uh, you, know, was it, you have one wild and precious life, whatever you bring, how, how then does it get filtered into this? So that when your neighbor finds you, it's, it's really good news for the world. So go with this blessing and reminder. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church gathered together said, amen. Grace and peace, friends. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.